common is the ability to release self-replicating entities into the environment. We have lived for some years with the first of these self-replicating entities, computer viruses, and we're beginning to have some practical experience with the problems of biotechnology. The recent report that modified maize genes now appear in native maize in Mexico, despite laws against it and efforts to prevent it, is just the start of what we may expect to be a long and difficult journey to control our technology. At the same time, long-standing beliefs about the fundamental safety of biotechnology, views that have been promoted by the great majority of biologists since the 1970s, now appear less secure. The unintended creation of a devastatingly lethal virus by Australian researchers in 2001 has caused many to rethink old assumptions. Clearly, we will not be as casual about this technology in the future as we have been in the past. Nanotechnology is the newest of these three technologies, and in some ways the most radical. It's the quest to build man-made machinery of extremely small size, on the order of 100 nanometers, or a hundred billionths of a meter. Such machines would be about a thousand times smaller than the diameter of a human hair. Pundits predict these tiny machines will provide everything from miniaturized computer components to new cancer treatments to new weapons of war. As a concept, nanotechnology dates back to a 1959 speech by Richard Feynman called There's Plenty of Room at the Bottom. Forty years later, the field is still very much in its infancy despite relentless media hype. Yet practical advances are now being made and funding has increased dramatically. Major corporations such as IBM, Fujitsu, and Intel are pouring money into research. The U.S. government has spent $1 billion on nanotechnology in the last two years. Meanwhile, nanotechniques are already being used to make sunscreens, stain-resistant fabrics, and composite materials in cars. Soon they will be used to make computers and storage devices of extremely small size. And some of the long-anticipated miracle products have started to appear as well. In 2002, one company was manufacturing self-cleaning window glass. Another made a nanocrystal wound dressing with antibiotic and anti-inflammatory properties. At the moment, nanotechnology is primarily a materials technology, but its potential goes far beyond that. For decades, there has been speculation about self-reproducing machines. In 1980, a NASA paper discussed several methods by which such machines could be made. Ten years ago, two knowledgeable scientists took the matter seriously, and I quote them, Within 50 to 100 years, a new class of organisms is likely to emerge. These organisms will be artificial in the sense that they will originally be designed by humans. However, they will reproduce and will evolve into something other than their original form. They will be alive under any reasonable definition of the word. The pace of evolutionary change will be extremely rapid, the impact on humanity and the biosphere could be enormous, larger than the Industrial Revolution, nuclear weapons, or environmental pollution. 
we must take steps now to shape the emergence of artificial organisms. End of quote. And the chief proponent of nanotechnology, K. Eric Drexler, once expressed related concerns, and I'll quote him. There are many people, including myself, who are quite queasy about the consequences of this technology for the future. We are talking about changing so many things that the risk of society handling it poorly through lack of preparation is very large. End of quote. Even by the most optimistic or dire predictions, such organisms are probably decades into our future. We may hope that by the time they emerge, we will have settled upon international controls for self-reproducing technology. We can expect such controls to be stringently enforced. Already we have learned to treat computer...